0: When I was a kid, my mom would take me to the grocery store, and I would. She would always get like the salami slices from the deli, or like the prosciutto, or whatever. They would always cut it. Always slice, slice and then. Would, yep. Always slice then. She would always give me the slice, and I would taste it, and she would be like, "How is it, Corey?" And I would always go, "It <laughs> makes literally no fucking sense," but I would always go, "D and O, licious." Are we gonna fall asleep on this Zoom call now? <laughs> <laughs> Hi there.
1: Hello, hello.
2: <laughs> I, I think I start off every episode like that at this point, huh? You gotta have a signature. People have their signature sign off, right? Mm-hmm. I got my signature sign on. Hi there. It's like exactly <laughs> like that, I always lean, <laughs> i lean into the mic, right? I go, hi there. Hi there.
3: And then I i would come in, I'm like, Marty McFly, like, hello, hello. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> lady. Nice lady. I'll tell you, we got Adam's
3: family values. <laughs>
2: If you don't know by now, (laughs) we're Silhouettes JB Podcast, the deepest dive into Jersey Boys you have ever taken, will take. We deep dive.
3: We drive it it home. We do all of the idioms that anyone can imagine to bring you the best fucking show about Jersey Boys. The best show ever
2: which is the best fucking show ever. The, fu- you um, the best you fuck. You fuck. You fucking, fucking fuck fuck.
3: break. Great show. Ever. Fuck.
2: <laughs> Your mother's Don't head. call me an asshole. You're the asshole. <laughs> You're the asshole.
3: Well, you know, so you heard a surprise <laughs> voice just then. And we have, seriously, a gem, a wonderful person. We're both huge, huge fans of this wonderful gentleman. We have Corey Jacoma.
0: Who In the Corey, Jacoma, you guys are making me blush over podcast.
3: Go Glenn Coco, go Coco,
0: go, go Coco. There we Jim. go. <laughs> oh, so excited. The listeners yeah. are gonna hear my blushing. God, we love that for you.
3: <laughs> it's the fall jackets for me. Like <laughs> it's, it's the <laughs> pumpkin for me. This is our first episode with a Bob Gaudio. And yes. we're freaking out about this. Um, <laughs>
2: Our Bob Gaudio debut. Yes, it's And he is the youngest person to ever play Bob oh. Gaudio.
3: In the history of Jersey Boys, not just Bob but everywhere.
2: They're still busting his chops for it.
0: <laughs> it was their
2: favorite pastime. Aww. It, it still is. I love it. <laughs> we got Corey Giacoma, Bob Gaudio. He did it on tour. Um... And he transferred to New World Stages where he was the um, the original Bob Gaudio at New World Stages along with Mark Edwards, Aaron De Jesus, Nick Jamard, um amazing amazing cast. I will I will always say, I will go to my I don't care, I'll say it. Thou you four my favorite Yo, my, my, my favorite seasons together. David. I I had seen I saw Corey on tour in May uh, in uh, April of 2017. I met him at the opening night party um, at the Arch Center in Miami. Along you know along with Aaron, and um, when I find out he was transferring over, it's freaking amazing, fucking amazing, and. Um, <laughs>
0: I love how you like uncensored yourself. <laughs> <laughs> like, you hear people being like, he was fi- freaking amazing, but you were like, he's freaking. No, fucking. no. Fuckin', <laughs> fucking.
2: Fucking amazing. Fucking amazing. And I was at the first preview, and once you get to New World Stages, you lean in on that book, mm-hmm. a Good Government it's a book show. Rick Ellis. And he's from, Corey's from, uh, in, he was born in Long Island, but grew up in our old neighborhood, South Florida. <gasps> the old neighborhood. So the old neighborhood. You know, he was born in Long Island, raised in Florida. <laughs> and he moved to New York City to go to school. Um, and after he graduated, he performed um, in regional theater, uh, Footloose and Shrek at the Fulton Opera House in Lancaster, PA. Lord, Fa- He played Lord Farquaad <laughs> in Shrek, which I didn't even know how much I needed <laughs> that until I found that out. Um, amazing. Um, there's a great picture on his Instagram of him as Farquad. <laughs> Go check it out at Coco Giacoco on Instagram and played Sky in Mamma Mia at the Main State Music Theater. Mm.
3: What a resume. So <laughs> right out of school. It's so inspiring. Oh. Corey is only t- about two years older than we are, so you really just you make us feel so good about oh, this. And it's the guys. the soul flow peeps. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Continuing. Yeah,
2: bet. <laughs> <laughs> so flow.
3: So flow. There you go. Uh, last year, he closed Beautiful, the carol King musical on Broadway as Jerry Goffin.
2: He was so good. Holy fuck. So good. Come
3: on. Come on. Thanks. Okay. Like, of course, this is your vein, but there's so much more to your range. And oh. here's the thing. So, what's amazing about seeing Corey's credits is that every role he plays fits him like a glove.
2: hand to glove glove. seriously I I was at your last performance as Bob and I was at your first performance as Jerry Goff and even though you didn't want anyone to be there
0: nobody (laughs) no one nobody listens no one listens of course they're
3: gonna show up we would show up and
2: he was he was (laughs) fucking amazing oh
0: man thank you
3: he is now playing Trace Weston in Power Book 2 Ghost on Stars. All right. this guy's on fucking TV, <laughs> airing every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern, primetime, baby. There we go. <laughs> now, from our knowledge, Trace is, yeah, you know, the best part of the show. The
2: best character, so, best written character in the show. Here we go.
3: So, friends at Stars, if we have any listeners, please, friends of friends, we're in New York, people know each other. Please have him as a series regular. It's fucking can we Corey bump, Jacoma, up that
2: contract, now. bump up that contract, please? Bump up that contract. We'll arrange. Oh yes. We'll yep. We'll get you Norm Waxman. The He's the
3: guy. We'll take care of it, all right? There Don't is. you worry.
2: <laughs> we, all, we all handle the bowling pins and sit down <laughs> on this show. Oh, my God. My
0: face we'll hurts. We'll take care of you. We got you. you my face speak. hurts laughing. Yeah, if they Aww. say that laughter like like adds years to you, I'm going to live to 190.
3: Aw.
0: Just listen listen to the podcast, and it'll add years to your life. That's what we're trying Aww. to get at. That's exactly. it. That was the best. <laughs> that was actually a really good John movie. Was...
3: <laughs> Wait, do it again. Do it again. <laughs> that was the best. It's
0: like listening to three people talking on a podcast. That was the best. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he, so for everyone, Corey Jacoma was in a world premiere musical, uh, penned by Rick Ellis. None other than. So I was, when I went to go see him in it, um, I, they had a, they have a bunch of pictures on the wall from like past performances and famous actors who have been in shows there. And um, do you know the, the book and the play, The Chosen? No. Have you heard of the play, My Name is Asher Lev? Yes. Or the book? So um, the book is written by the same guy, Chaim Potok. Okay. Um, also another great role for you, Asher Lev.
0: I'll take it.
2: I'll take great. it. Great so great for you um but so john lloyd young was in the chosen at the paper Mill Mill playhouse, playhouse a year before jersey boys get like out before. of here yeah wow
3: get out of town big man in town get out of
0: town
3: wow wow Wow! <laughs> <laughs> owen wilson you a, got that too yeah, impressions wow. over here people oh,
0: i'm telling you yeah.
3: Well, so so, what about the chosen? Also, paper, and then that's that's where Corey performed. Well, yeah, and that's
2: where Corey Corey did oh, Liberian, British, invasion. British
3: Invasion, where you played George Harrison.
2: George, George Harrison,
3: Harrison, baby. Please talk about that. Okay, so my One of the Beatles, yeah, the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> so George, um, he was actually my my dad's favorite Beatle. and which so is crazy. Reading,
0: Cause no, like he's like the one beetle that people are like, oh yeah, like John, Paul, Ringo, and that other guy, and it's like no, George was like the coolest. Yeah, is the coolest.
3: Tell us more about so so like how did you play him? What 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 was the story? You had to play like like what, what well, part did you specifically talk about with him? All
0: that stuff. It's it's funny bec- that you guys even caught it because it was such a quick moment in the show, like. The show is very much a story within a story. My very own British Invasion. Um, You know, and Rick wrote it so beautifully and so uh, complex, but with such simplicity. Um, And uh, and so in the beginning of the show, they're essentially explaining um, the British Invasion. How the Brits came to America and basically took over the music scene. And... There's a narrator who's explaining how they got to this point, which they're at a bar called the Bag of Nails, which is a bar on uh, Carnaby Street in London. And so it's him being like, and then this band came and four guys like run up the stairs and it's us being like. I'm John, I'm Paul, I'm Ringo and I'm George and then we run down and we do like a Beatles medley where we do um when I saw her standing there and she loves you and and all of these great Beatles tunes and it's That's so fun. It, it in my opinion it's one of the best sequences in the show because it's it's the same way that Jersey boy starts off where it's the rocket taking off and it doesn't land until after apple of my eye it, and even even beyond that, really, it like the first time it lands is the church scene, which is why that's when they let people sit down if they get there late. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly.
2: Little known fact. Yes. Very Little good fun fact. fact. Little known fact. Great fun fact. Mm-hmm. You had a line that was referencing your future <laughs> job in British Invasion.
0: Yeah. Wait. What? What was it? Oh damn! I don't even know where to fucking start. <laughs> <laughs> So, Uh,
2: pretty eyes of midsummer's morn, Ah, they call her dawn.
0: Around this time, there's a little. Around this time, there's a a little, a little, uh huh, a little dust-up called the British invasion. Yep, that's it. Boom, baby. Boom, baby. There
1: you
2: go. That's it.
3: Pure I don't know chatter. the rest of the
2: line. <laughs> Br- Britannia is ruling the
0: airwaves, so we start our own American revolution. The battle begins on a Sunday night at eight, at, a, at 8 o'clock, and the whole world is watching. And
3: then at 9 o'clock, you watch your show on Stars. Yeah, oh, and, now, you know, girls, you know, and now, all, all,
2: for all the youngsters, stars Powerbook power
0: 2, Ghost. <laughs> Starring Cora Giacoma as Trace <laughs> Weston.
3: <laughs> what a name, too, Trace Weston. Could you tell us about the show, please?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I just play the douchiest guy in the world. Really? The All show. right. Oh, my God. Who doesn't love a good
3: douchebag on TV? I am,
0: I am a douche personified. Like, it, you. he's just like a, a douchey frat boy. And so, basically, the show essentially... Fought, uh, I don't want to give too much away, but um, Power, Power was six seasons long. At the end of the sixth season, something big, big, big happens, which makes... Uh, Tariq St. Patrick which is one of the main characters on uh, on the original season or uh, original series um, which makes him step up in a big way and take on the persona of Ghost which is a drug dealer and so he starts selling drugs through his university and all this sort of stuff and uh and his roommate is Brayden Weston, who's my brother. And so the first the first episode, you know, Braden saying, like, my whole family goes here, including my brother. He's a total douchebag. And like literally every time he references his brother, he says, like, yeah, my brother's having a party later. He's a fucking dick. It's like <laughs> every time he references me, he's like, asshole dick, douchebag. Asshole. And then you then in you meet hole. me and and you meet me in the most extraordinarily douchey fashion. Um <laughs> And I get into some trouble, and then I get into more trouble, and some more trouble, and it's it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. And, are you wearing uh,
3: wife beaters the whole time?
0: I'm not. Really? I'm wearing, like, douchey frat boy sweaters. Okay.
3: The Vineyard <laughs> like, Vines stuff.
0: Vineyard Vines stuff, like, all that. You're just, like, you are a walking douche. Yes,
3: bag. the Sperrys.
0: <laughs> You're yep. basically Warner from Legally Blonde. Exactly. Just like a, a – um, a less put-together version. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm I'm the... I'm, like, the, the Warner that didn't go to law school. I'm the Warner that, like, went to business school and is just, like, trying to get by. Right. And just, like, just partying. Like,
3: marketing, you know? dude. Like, that's... Yeah. yeah, marketing
0: major. The way you know? you're
2: describing it, it sounds like one of the Grand Theft Auto games.
0: That's actually a great way of describing it. It's, like, Grand Theft Auto... Juiced up. Well, no, not juiced up because Grand Theft Auto (laughs) is far juiced (laughs) up. Jesus. You don't need to juice up Grand Theft Auto anymore. No, you you need to pull some of the juice out of that. Pull it
3: back. Well, does it have some Jersey Shore elements? Did you pull anything from from Jersey?
0: No, I I don't bring any Jersey into this. We filmed a lot of it in Brooklyn. We filmed some of it in Manhattan, some of it in Queens. The funny thing was like everyone on set when they found out that I was like a Broadway guy – everyone was like, how do you remember all those lines? And I'm like, why? That's literally what we're doing, doing right, right now. now. <laughs> <laughs> but they but, can stop and is... look at
3: their scripts and come – yeah, exactly. Totally yeah, different and, way. and not only
0: that, but you're, you're doing scene by scene right. rather than doing the full two and a, the hour-long episode, let alone a two-and-a-half-hour episode like we do in, in theater.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Bit by bit, putting it together. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: Let's talk about the early years. For Corey Jacoba. Ah. Uh, <laughs> there, there we go. Hoy, Hoy. Scrapbook, right now. Hoyt, so hoyt. excited.
0: Hoy, Hoyt, baby. Hoyt, Hoy. Which funny, Lon Hoyt was the music director on British Invasion. <laughs> oh shit! So it was like, hoyt, there we go. Hoyt. There was always. It's funny. Everything in my career has like referenced the next thing I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Except Fucking there's amazing. there's no like drug dealers or anything in Beautiful. So nothing nothing referenced Ghost. <laughs>
3: A lot of my friends and I, if you're from Florida, everything foreshadows or everything is a stepping stone. South Florida is the sixth borough of New York City.
0: Every New Yorker will migrate to Florida at some point, even after they've died. (laughs) (laughs) I've been in New York majority of my life, I guess. Okay. Right? Yeah. It's beautiful. I didn't go to an art school. I I went to a public high school, but I did theater at the public high school, and then I also did theater at our, our local kids theater, which is starstruck. And, uh, and that's really where, you know, like, I mean, we would get out of school and we would go straight over there. And it, it's funny cause oh, I, I went best. and visited the other day cause I, the, the owners are, are dear friends of mine and I, you know, with COVID and everything, it was shut down. Well, it's not shut down, but it, you know, it's not running the way that it normally does. Like usually the kids, As soon as they get out of school, they go straight there. Even if their class doesn't start for like four hours, even if, you know, tap doesn't start till five, they're there at one o'clock. It's like they, they just want to be there. They want to be surrounded by that energy, the theatrical it's, it's, you know, it's potent. And, uh, but that's where I was. That's where I spent almost all my time in high school. I wasn't in any, uh, like, um, drama classes in high school because I was in our choir. So um, nice. our choir in high school, it's a choir called Opus, and it's still there. Outstanding – yeah. I'm foreshadowing, bro. Oh, my God. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> Guys, what the fuck? I know.
3: This is everything in life. I'm telling you. I'm telling you.
0: And so – uh, But Opus stands for Outstanding People United to Sing, and also the word oh. Opus, obviously. Beautiful. Um, but, uh, but we – it, we were under the direction of this incredible man named Ronald Corbin, um, who is still one of the most influential figures in my life. He's just incredible. Um, and he, he led this choir for 35 years, I think, wow. and won straight superiors everywhere we went. We would travel around the world Italy, Hawaii, you know, we, we, and we would just sweep. Like it was, the choir was unstoppable. And so I was, I was in that for all four years. So I couldn't take drama class. So I would only do the shows after school and after school, you know, since it's a high school thing, since, you know, finances, you know, we all know that no one supports the arts. And so, you know, it was just a different caliber. And so moving, Uh, over to starstruck was just the next caliber up and since i was getting serious about it i was like all right i think i think i need to take this leap um and you know i i I couldn't afford it at the time and so they gave me scholarships and everything and it it was huge huge for me in terms of being like oh i want to do this and i was surrounded by people because you know in high school that you have the people obviously who want to do it but then you have the people who are just doing it to get a credit or to you know hang out with their friends Whereas at Starstruck, it was like everyone who was there was there because they wanted to be there, you know?
3: When did you first start singing or catch the theater bug?
0: I did. I mean, well, it's funny because my mom always says that she knew I was musically gifted when I would we would be driving in the car and she would have like Barney playing or something. And I would sing a totally, I would be like, mom, have you heard this song? And I would sing a totally different song while something's playing. and. To me, I'm like, yeah, you just like tone everything out and you sing whatever is on your mind. But she's like, that's the hardest thing in the world for me. Is like, you know, like having one thing going in your ears and then you spitting something totally different, different key, you know, totally like opposite to that out. And I was like, "Eh, yeah, I guess that's that's normal for me. But so that's that's her first realization. But my first realization was. I would sing and you know enjoy it but I did my 5th grade talent show um, at Bessie Creek Elementary and I sang Sugar Pie Honey Bunch Aww. and uh, you know Love as that. as any 5th grader is, would Right. <laughs> I was like yeah this is this is my song. And so uh, and, and the funny thing was in the beginning of the talent show they would read the like that you had to fill out a thing why you're doing the talent show why you picked this song and and uh, Kerry Banfi was her name. She she read the card and she's like, Corey Jacoma is a fifth grader, and it's so funny. I, you watch the video back and like I was the shit in fifth grade, y'all. <laughs> like you listen and she's like Corey Jacoma is a fifth grade, and you hear all these fifth grade girls like ah, and I was like, damn Corey, you you were the king, man. What happened? Oh, <laughs> oh no. No, no, still a king. Still and, a uh, fucking king. Oh Coco man, the king. in your eyes, thank you, Coco the King. And so, uh so wait, if I ever get tired of co- Coco Jacoco, Coco the, Coco King's the King is a good one. There you go. Um, you heard but, it uh, first. Okay, lady that's the two names.
3: names that I've done. So Michael fasano Michael Fossetto, and then Love Coco that. the King.
0: There you go. There we go. Boom. Gotcha. Um, that's for so, my talent. She, <laughs> I, 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 that's a talent, though. That is a great talent. <laughs> Uh, But she read that she read the card and she goes, uh, Corey, when when asked why he wanted to do the talent show, his reasoning was, I really enjoy singing and I want to see if people enjoy listening to me. (laughs) At the end of the day, you know, would you rather perform for people who like are not going to give you a response? Like, that's why I love to show like Jersey Boys because the the responses were palpable like you, yeah. you they were tangible you could feel them you know like the it shattered the freaking building you were in you know amen um, yeah. that was it even those huge touring houses even those huge touring houses because you're always gonna have some drunk middle-aged woman being like yeah! <laughs> And you're just like, yo, this is not a sing along. Please stop. <laughs> you can only sing along after the oh, call. Yeah, okay? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god! And like, of course, I had like the most popular song in the show. Oh, what a right. night! And so they're always singing along with me. Oh, yep. but it's it's yeah.
3: it's gotta be the best feeling, right?
0: Oh, it was the best. Yeah. It was absolutely the best that feeling.
3: Was the best. That was the best. <laughs> yeah. That was best. And well. <laughs> Do you guys feel this way? Like, everything I do, everything is for my younger self. Even doing this podcast. like Because this is what changed my life. I know it. I always try to pinpoint everything to where I was when I was younger. And so with with you chasing the applause, it's me chasing that feeling again. 100%.
0: Yeah. I love it. Absolutely. I love it. It's chasing that thing that, like, lights you up, that stokes that flame. Yeah.
3: And it's always like, why? Like, why is this how it is I was was reading so um, huge shout out to my new friend Patty Patty Pax she's wonderful I met her on a plane from PBI from Florida to JFK and she gave me the the great airport great airport (laughs) (laughs) mini golf chilies great airport you go parking
2: I wouldn't know anything about it (laughs)
3: Cause he's he's more south than. Oh, Corey, it's an maybe.
0: inside joke. Yes. You listeners wouldn't get You'll, it. Okay, <laughs> next time you you go up to
3: New York, so seriously, have park park your car in my neighborhood.
0: Park the car. Park the car.
3: Yeah. Where are these people gonna park?
2: Where
3: are these people gonna park? <laughs> That's <laughs> a Sebastian
2: He would be such a good Tommy DeVito. Yes. He would be a wow. Right? So good. Wow! 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 Him. Wow! 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 And he does that podcast with his friend Pete. Mm-hmm. Pete could play Nick Nick Massey. Yo. um,
0: Sebastian, get on that, bro. Seriously. Richard Hester, can we? Please. Please. If you're ever looking for stunt casting at New World
1: Stages,
3: (laughs) Sebastian. I mean, he was in The Irishman. Come on.
0: Yeah. He was in The Irishman. And he was great. He like sort of played himself, but he was great.
3: The whole show is about them admitting that they all fucked up, and that's something that everybody can relate to. Yeah. yeah, and like, and it's it's kind of I, this is a very odd comparison, but if you think of any TV show, you know, like it's, if you go to a Broadway show and you want to keep seeing it, of course you want to, like you get into the actors and like how the, the choices that they're making, you get you, you memorize everything. Same thing with a TV show or a movie. Um, David and I talk about New Girl all the time. How I Met Your Mother. The time. You feel like you're at the loft with these people, or you feel like you're mm-hmm. at the bar, like you're at McLaren's. Yeah. You know, and that's exactly. Yeah how it feels with with Jersey Boys. And because everyone knows the music, whether you walk into a restaurant and it's playing or any store and you hear The Four mm-hmm. Seasons, it's always around us, whether consciously yeah. or unconsciously.
0: I mean, it's funny. You know, talk about how my career has like followed me my whole life and I didn't even realize it. So when I booked Jersey Boys, the reason I knew about Frankie Valley and The Four Seasons was because my father, he apparently, when he was a kid, his brothers used to tease him, um, singing "Sherry" because it was this high-pitched, nasally voice, and they would always sing it to him, and he would like be like, "Shut up, guys!" and they'd be like, "Sherry," and he's like, shut guy guys!" and he would apparently cry and have these like fits, and and he used to always tell that story because he thinks it's so funny now, and so then, and I, I'll never forget it when when I opened the t- my my leg of the tour in Syracuse. He came to see the show, and he texted me, and he was like, "He was like, Sherry still makes me cry, but now for a different reason." Aww.
3: And I was like, "That's beautiful. Dad. Thank Aww. you for sharing that with
0: us." Beautiful. Yeah, I love that, it. it. was it was really cool. Yeah, but and you play the guy it, who wrote the fucking song. I know. So- <laughs> like, come on. Like, come on, man. <laughs> it's daddy. literally like, it's the world being like, yes, we, because we got the story
3: wrote itself. For, yeah. for the guys. And for you, too. And for all yeah. the fucking Florida kids. It's an F thing. Florida, Four Seasons, Jersey. That's it. It's an F that's thing. That's
2: it. Come it's on. An F come thing. on. It's a fuck thing. It's a fucking thing. Yeah. It's, it's a fucking thing, guys. It's the
3: serendipitous about... nature of life. And yeah. s- specifically with... Like, that's just how Italians operate you know there was a meme that was like only italians will visit a family member in the hospital and then go play their their room number yeah (laughs) only italians will do that every everything
1: means that's really
0: funny it is funny everything is significant everything you're right you know what because that's sort of how i feel and i especially recently i've been like why am i that way like why do i put weight on literally everything i mean like (laughs) it sometimes in the worst way like until maybe like the my second year in college Every time I got on a plane, I found a reason why I was gonna die on that plane. Uh-huh. Final destination. <laughs> I, I would, I would literally like final destination. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I would literally like add up the flight number and like be like, oh my god, that's it's six yeah. six, six six. I'm gonna die. Right. Like, Stop. That's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, I, it that's that must be the Italian in me, just like finding significance in literally everything. In a leaf blowing by. You were you were teching at Syracuse, mm-hmm. right? And you oh, get an email. Dude. <laughs> Jersey Boys is closing. <laughs> like, fucking kill me. <laughs> this has happened multiple times in my career, first of all. It's a very sore subject. Thanks a lot. <laughs> oh, I, uh... Yeah, I, I I, was teching Jersey Boys in Syracuse and when I found out that it was closing. And I think I was, like, on stage, even. And I had my phone or I was in my dressing room because, you know, it, it, obviously... You, you've seen the show, you know, Bob doesn't enter for the first 30 minutes. And so when you're teching the show, that's like, bro, like two and a half Four. days. Yeah. yeah until you're there. <laughs> <laughs> like I was on a couch in Syracuse. Thank God I had like my own couch. And I was like sleeping. Like I was like, wow, my professional career has started and I'm asleep on a couch. This is awesome. <laughs> and, Sebastian Arcellus, he he on
2: a uh, interview with Broadway.com when they were going backstage to the August Wilson, mm-hmm. he's like, when everyone's doing their half hour, I'm going around with this little basketball here trying to distract them from getting ready. Exactly.
0: exactly. Who is also the sweetest guy. I met him at the Share show. But so, but yeah. Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Couch. Oh, yeah. So I and I like I, I don't know if I was on the couch or on stage or something, but I, I remember getting like a theater mania email being like Jersey Boys ends. It's or, or, to end its record breaking run. And I was like, you're kidding. And then a couple years later, I booked Beautiful the Musical. I book it in May and like months go by. I don't get a contract, so I'm like, okay, is this still happening? Like, what's going on? And no, uh, my my start date's supposed to be in September, and September fifth. Yep, September fifth, baby. And uh, and so I'm I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And one night, I'm I'm in the I'm I'm in my living room in New York, and my my best friend sends me a screenshot of once again fucking theater mania. Being like beautiful the carol king musical to end its record-breaking run and i literally went you're kidding (laughs) wow yep and and so then then i had like two months till i was starting so in my head i was like no why, why would they bring in a new guy for the last two months are you kidding me so i thought they were gonna pull the rug from underneath me the whole time but thank god they had me do it and i got to close it out and you know the nice thing was i i didn't have any pressure of closing it, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was already announced. Um, and also, you know, I I had the best audiences, you know, mm-hmm. I had, I had similar audiences to opening where like it was people excited to see the shows. It was people who had, had done the show. It was people who had been in the show, people who had seen the show before who wanted to see it again. Um, but yeah, you know, it, I guess, I I, I hope I'm not the closer
3: (laughs) but even with you on on the national tour of Jersey Boys if you're on if you're a a part of the team even if you're not on Broadway I feel like you really should be notified just a a huge mass company crew email a little bit before it's it's published if you hey, can. Hey, sorry,
0: guys. It would be nice. It would be
3: nice. Like, it's just like, <laughs> it,
0: it must, it be, must nice. be nice. It must be nice. It must be nice. Exactly. Oh, my God. Wait, David, I need to hear a Jersey Boys lyric with, with Lynn's voice. Took a
2: walk and passed your house late last night from within a dim light cast. Through silhouettes on the shade, oh, what a lovely couple they make! <laughs> Brilliant. Put no. his arms <laughs> uh, oh, I love thank it. You. around. Thank you. Around. Look around. Look, look around. around. Lies. <laughs> Eliza.
3: Lies. So, since you're home in Florida right now, um, mm-hmm. as we're talking. Since you've been back for a while, what are your thoughts on Florida now that you're older, and oh, would you live there again? Just wondering.
0: You know, I would retire here mm-hmm. just as every other New York Jew does, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, I I've grown to appreciate it so much more than I did in high school because um, in high school, I mean, so many kids that I went to school with get into trouble because as a kid in Florida like you go to the beach and you know that's sort of all you can do and so you know amen s- yeah mm-hmm. and so like ne- which to to a lot of people sounds like a freaking tremendous privilege but also like when you're at the beach every day you're just like yeah you take it for granted mm-hmm. and so now that I'm older I'm like oh my god I live in paradise right. like how did I ever take this for granted mm-hmm. and also you know it's funny cuz being away from New York City during the pandemic, so many people are like, "Only the true New Yorkers stuck it out." Like, dude, right. dude. Yeah, and like, I'm kind of like, "Fuck you." Thank you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm like, I felt immense
3: guilt. So I, I've, I've lived in New York for two years now. Um, I, I did stay for the first two months of the quarantine, and mm-hmm. but it was my mom's birthday. It was a good time for me to go down, and I went. And I went. I felt so guilty for leaving. I, I love this city more than anything. I choose like, I choose to live here now. This is my place. I'm I'm settled in Astoria. I fucking love it. But I I was so happy to go back home, and I feel the same way. Like it is paradise. Holy shit! Yeah. And now that I'm older, I can drink. I can go out with friends. Like it. I lo- David and I were driving around for you hours. Drive? Yeah, and we were like, I, I see Florida as a completely new place because. Yeah it's not just the beach, the mall, the movies anymore. Like there's cool restaurants you can go to. There's other small businesses and it's awesome.
0: The way that I was looking at it was like, yeah, you know, you're a New Yorker. Sure. You want to stay in your city and this and that, but also like my mental health would be fucking out the window. If I was in my shoebox of an apartment during all this shit. So I was like, no, I'm going to save my mental health and I'm going to go to Florida. I'm going to go to Pennsylvania with my girlfriend and I'm going to like enjoy having this time off. And like, in a way, treat it as a vacation. And once again, I know that's that's a privilege that not everyone has. But also, like, some people are choosing to stay in New York just because they're like, I'm a New Yorker. And I'm like, if you can, get out. You're going to be happier. I promise. <laughs>
3: and even last summer, there was a whole hashtag, like, hashtag get out of the city. You know, so uh-huh. people are just, it, it's a very touchy, contradicting thing that people tend to do. And
2: I get you. It was those same people that are saying now, I'm I'm not leaving. Yeah, the fucking here. Last, last year it was like hashtag get out the of the city. city. Right. And of and the I was city. just like
3: fuck you. And but it's also hard because pretty soon after I moved up here, and I'll always think this way: New York City is the greatest city in the world. But yeah. then you meet people who've been here forever. You know they establish themselves and they they feel like they want to settle somewhere else or just try another place. And I yeah. learned that, yes, New York is the greatest city in the world, but it's not the only place. So for anyone who's weird with that, like, no matter where you are, like.
0: Go. Go. Go move go. to Missouri. Move to I New York. Mean, if, you, if, if,
3: if it's your dream, fucking make it happen. Come here. Yeah. If you want to leave, I, leave. Like, it's fine. When I
0: was doing Legally Blonde and Footloose at the Fulton, I met people who live in Lancaster. You know, every every regional theater hires their local actors. And there are people who, that is their career like they work at those theaters and they get paid and that is how they make their living and it's it's like what we do in new york where you're working i mean you're working on broadway and so it's it's like a you know the dream but also like people are fulfilling their dreams locally and regionally all the time i mean and there's no shame in that like it, if you can get your kicks and live near your family come on are you kidding me but then at the same time, New York—you—you you wouldn't want to live anywhere else. I mean, it beats the shit out of you, but then it picks you up, and then it beats the shit out of you, and it picks you up, and it makes you stronger. And the nice thing about New York is, like you were saying before, Sounds like you... Judaism, yeah, right, <laughs> that guilt, baby. But you know, like with with New York, you move anywhere else, and you are at a different caliber than than people. That's why you like in my area, you go to most of the the big local businesses and they're all New Yorkers. It's crazy. Like my my dad's shop, all of them are New Yorkers. Like my dad, my uncle and this guy this other guy that they're friends with, all of them are from New York and they own one of the top body shops in South Florida. So it's like these guys, you know the the New York blood and the New York mentality, the hustle mentality. You go anywhere else where it's a little slower, and you keep even half of the pace that you have in New York, and you're going to be twice as fast as everybody else. I
2: told you when I went to go see Slava Snow Show. Oh, when I was on Broadway, which was
1: speaking so
0: of clowning incredible, but also like. Fuck they took our theater. Fuck <laughs> Oh Right. No, no 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 No, it's okay. Honestly, like it was it was so funny going to see that show after Beautiful Close because I, I thought I was gonna be like bitter and mad. I was like, damn, you took my Broadway debut after two months Slava Snow Show, you stupid clown. <laughs> but but like it was so charming and so beautiful and they transformed that theater in such a gorgeous way and also it, the show was so beautiful to me because you had adults, I mean, I had a family next to me where it was it was like a 30-year-old a mother and father and their like 60, 70-year-old parent uh, next to them and then their kids, you know, like it was it was three generations of a family and you're watching three generations of a family hitting these giant balloons and being kids, all of them different ages, but all of them behaving the same age. It was just—it was so beautiful. To tie it all to Jersey Boys, the the beauty of the three generations all hitting the balloon was the same as the music. The 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 balloon for Slava was the music for Jersey Boys, where I I would sit on the bridge during can't take my eyes off you and i'm i'm supposed to be watching frankie the whole time and anytime i look into the audience once in a while they would be like Corey, you can't stare at the audience stop (laughs) (laughs) but but i i was i would watch you know you would have the third row or you know whatever i could see the first three rows and it would be a kid his mom and his grandmother and they're all sitting there and the song would start the horns would start and he would be and you would see the mom like or the grandmother grab the daughter's hand and the kid is just like watching them being like, What? And then the chorus comes in and then you see the kid light up being like, Oh, I know this and it's three generations all hitting that balloon.
1: Wow. It it
0: was it was really that was my favorite part of the show.
3: It's a balloon, Tommy.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. a balloon, baby. Yeah. Talking about all
2: this, you know, regional theater. Mm-hmm. Um Broadway or bus this and that on live at 5 you said i just want to work yeah and i think you know i mean I, I i think everyone deep down has that dream of being rich and famous right but everybody wants to be up front, you know yeah but i i i i people <clears> always tell <throat> me oh, so oh so well, what did you study in school i studied theater oh, what are you going to do with that what are you going to be on broadway do I just want to I just want to work, make money yeah. doing what I love. Doing what That's I love. all I want to do whether it's That's on it. Broadway, if it's regional, if it's composing, if it's playwriting, if it's doing community theater or whatever it is, I just want to
0: work. That's it. I'm so passionate about this and it's so maddening how passionate I am because especially right now I'm like god it would be like be so much easier if I just got a 9 to 5 and just like m- like consistent job. I like buy a house at the drop of a hat and like have a car, not ride the subway and not like, you know, be, be worried about money between gigs. It's like I could, it, it would be so much easier, but I could never, ever imagine quitting.
3: No, never. I just couldn't. Yeah. It, it,
0: it, I just want to work. Even if, even if it's not the biggest thing. I just I want to I want to be immersed in this industry. I love it so much. I love the people, um, and you know, just like the industry drives me nuts, the people drive me nuts. But at the end of the day, like they're my people. It's my industry, and I love it so much. And and it's it's a drug. I, I always yeah. come back to it.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, it, like immersing yourself and going to see everything. It's part of our training. Yeah, figuring out what we like, what we don't like, what everyone is doing. Like learning from people.
0: Well, you got to steal like an artist, you know, half of being an artist is, is admiring people, seeing what they do and adapt. I mean, especially with acting, all we're doing is being other people, be stealing influences from other people. You know, um, I, I want to say it was Meryl Streep, but I, I may be wrong, but I, I've heard that she people watches as research, like. A majority of her research on characters is just like going to a park and just watching people and picking up ticks, picking up behaviors, picking up, you know, the way people interact and being like, hmm, that's interesting, um, and and seeing, you know, what makes people tick. Like, we we aren't in in and in any other business. We're in the entertainment business, but we're in the people business. Like, we're in the business of like being human and taking human uh you know habits and disciplines and all that sort of stuff and magnetizing them blowing them up and having to portray them honestly on a on a grand stage in front of people it, you're you're a fool if you don't think that's challenging and why would you want to do anything that's not challenging
3: amen absolutely
0: exactly.
2: you, know? you you absolutely you um you talk a lot about how much you loved seeing the lion when it was off broadway oh and it was it like it seems like such a perfect fit for you because i mean you're all about the music the guitar telling stories and you, i think oh. you said you you saw it three times
0: right? i saw it three times and it's very short off broadway run and i wept wept. It was it's the most honest storytelling I've ever seen. And I I mean I would love to play that I, or I would it's not even a role. It's I would love to tell that story because it's Benjamin Scheuer's story. And so I'm not playing Benjamin Scheuer. It, it's just, you know, telling his story essentially th- th- like using your body as the vessel to tell his story, I, I suppose, but you know, uh I could never ever play those songs on guitar. He is so gifted at guitar. It is remarkable.
2: And speaking of brilliant songwriters, what a segue. <laughs> you, didn't you play one? <laughs> I did. I done did it. Twice.
3: Twice, twice.
2: And you did it on tour. Um This was a new leg of the, of the tour because you were replacing... Drew, Drew Seely,
0: and, um, but the three Love the three other Which, guys. That's another freaking thing. Like High School Musical was sort of like the reason that I really got into theater. Yep,
3: January twentieth, like, two thousand six. Life
0: changed forever. Mm hmm. Wow, I was in sixth grade and and I I started growing out my hair because I was going to audition for a High School Musical production that we were doing. And I was like, I need to be Troy Bolton or I'm going to die. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And I ended up getting cast as Ryan. Huge bummer. But then I ended up loving Ryan. Yeah. And then, but then to know that I was replacing the voice of Troy Bolton, I was like. And then Troy Bolton on the tour also. And Troy Bolton on the tour. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, shook. And did you know that he wrote a ton of the songs in High School Musical? Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Like. He wrote "Get Your Head in the Game."
3: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, sorry. And "Breaking I'm Free." Get
3: <laughs> Let's deep dive into like deep some parts about into, Bob because
2: yeah, this is our, our
3: we love is our Bob. Who
1: doesn't? Speciality.
0: we love, yes. love Bob. This is uh, a dream so role right for David. Yeah, uh, he and he he's the coolest. He's the coolest guy.
3: Oh, Tell us he's about so him. So cool.
0: <laughs> well, he Please. he was the he was the nicest guy to meet, and he was so kind and and. I mean, when I first met him, I didn't meet him at all on tour, and I was so bummed. Then I was doing it in New York, and he came to all of tech. While we were teching it in the theater, he was he was just sitting there the whole time. And once again, the first two days, I'm on the couch, and so he he's in the in the house, and Danny Austin, the associate choreographer, comes into my dressing room, and he's like, "You know that Bob's here, right?" And I was like what and and i was w- wearing like sweats and a sweatshirt and like a hat and like i i in my head the first time i met him i was going to be in like a suit like looking like a jersey boy and i was going to be like bob it's a pleasure to meet you like i thought it was going to be a totally different thing but what it was was me and like like sweats and a hat and like my hair was all messed up you know i had hat hair and everything and i was just like hi bob it's so nice to meet you if i knew i was gonna meet you i would have dressed nicer (laughs) (laughs) i wasn't geeking out um but he was the nicest guy and uh yeah it was it was surreal it was surreal he gave me a, a huge compliment that i i'll never forget he said um he goes i wouldn't know because it's me but I think that that anyone who knows me would say that you, that you're doing a damn good job. And I was like, <laughs> Hell,
2: fucking yeah, yeah. I can fucking attest to that. Yeah. Oh, thanks, man. Seriously.
3: Well, how did you find your Bob voice? Because yours is very distinct.
2: Really? Yeah. It's you. You. I'll say it. I'll say it you have the best accent of all, oh, of damn, all the bobs man.
0: no no seriously well you it's it's funny because they they usually tell bob not to have an accent because they want him to seem more educated okay and but i they they let me slide for some reason and i don't know why uh maybe because there was a sophistication to my accent because the accent is, is somewhat natural to me this earnesty you know uh uh, trying to see the best in people and that's sort of how i try to live my life uh almost to a fault and uh and you know bob has that earnesty i mean when tommy says he breaks everything down for bob and then he's like he's like and then we'll talk about it and bob says oh i don't think that's gonna work so in the it's,
2: this is the scene after cry for me uh uh-huh. let's do a dramatic reading
0: let's, let's do a reading
2: um you're Come gonna on. you're gonna play bob of course and i'm gonna play tommy Okay. Um, this is a I'm huge Bob, deal. Bob
0: Gordio? Bob Gr- <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm nervous. I haven't done this this script in a long time. You ready? Yeah. Here we go. My dad handles most of my stuff. Tell him to call me. What about? What kind of deal? Well, that's okay. You can talk to me. You sure? Uh-huh. <laughs>
2: Eggs. Wow. I mean, (laughs) Tony Award winning. So, is it directed like, or, or like, is it meant to? Are you meant to play this part as? Oh shit! I shouldn't have told him that. My dad does my stuff. I or any trying to play it cool, or I'm a big boy. I shouldn't need my dad to take care of things, but he does anyway. Is he having a moment of realization as he's talking to Tommy?
0: You're clearly a much better actor than I am because I I would have never thought about that but the the way that the scene reads for me is bob's just saying he's just saying it how it is he also like he he was on tour like he his social skills weren't fully developed he was on tour at such a young age like he he doesn't and tommy's been around the block and that's why tommy tommy like pl- like drags him along for a little bit until bob says oh i don't think that's going to work until Bob puts his foot down in a very, very like sensitive, generous way, he knows what he's talking about. He just doesn't know how to uh, how to get it across the way that he wants to right away because of his earnesty. I've seen a lot of Bob's play where it's like, uh, it's him sort of being like, okay, now it's my time to fucking take over. But that's not it at all. It's him. The reason that Tommy was so fucking, I mean, you see it during the sit down scene when when Tommy's like you you don't uh you don't buy me out i buy you out that moment is Tommy exploding because he's like you're so much more powerful than i am because you're calm cool and collected and because you've got the brains fuck you for all of that and and bob bob starts that that explosion the the fuse is lit at the moment where bob goes oh i don't think that's going to work what what do you mean that's not going to work? Well, you see th- this is the way that it's supposed to be. My dad my dad taught me this. You know, he taught me that ancillary rights all this sort of stuff. So that's that's the way we're going to do it. Why would you do anything other than that? And Tommy's going fuck.
2: He knows he's going down and he he with venom he bites you. How many more hits you think you're going to write?
3: And how do you deliver the with what, Tommy? Like, do you change it up? That line can easily be thrown away.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. and I,
2: I've seen it thrown away. Yeah, just like – or yeah. like,
3: with what, Tommy? And did you just move – it's like, no, it, it's – with what, Tommy? It's the earnesty. Yes. Stop. It's the
0: earnesty. It's, it's the yeah. earnesty. I mm-hmm. think the, the Bob – the way to be a successful Bob is play with earnesty. That's it. It's just – with with the with what it's not him being like like you and especially because Bob's are usually taller than Tommy's so there there's this this like looking down on moment you don't need to play into that I'm better than you with what motherfucker you don't need to play that all you have to say it's and he cares about Tommy it, Tommy it's it Tommy is a car accident he's a wreck he's a and you can't take your eyes off of it and you feel so bad and it's him being like. Dude, even even when we're trying to get you out of it, you don't get it. And it's it's because it, despite their differences, like they are their brothers. They they've got this family, and family is everything. Even though Bob doesn't give a fuck about the old neighborhood and everything, there is a sort of a dude. Come on, there were some nights that I definitely played into the like. There were some nights, especially with with Matt Daly, who I fucking love he he he's a big dude big big he's ripped ripped out of his fucking mind and he would he would bark bark at me and he would sometimes like get get close enough to kiss and he would he would get real close and those nights when when i felt a little threatened were the nights that i would be like with what dude like there, there, there's a million ways you can deliver those three words with what Tommy it's and it, you can fire it with venom. You can fire it with, with empathy. You can fire it with, with get it through your fucking head. <laughs> you know, there, there's a million ways you can do it. Right. Just tap out, bro. <laughs> yeah. Just tap. <laughs> exactly. Just tap. Yeah. Dude. And
3: even just watching you on zoom, like just, just talk about it. You have a, you have a, a very much a Matthew McConaughey way about you. You do, no, Thank and you. we all—that's like, a
0: huge compliment. It's
3: true, you really do. But, but he approaches things the same way, you know, because he like he's just a laid back. Come on, got my Cadillac, guys. Like, am, am I Lincoln? Exactly. But he's when he like he says what he has to say with with a certain style, yeah. and you do that too. So that's really cool. Thank you. Yeah,
0: I agree. I really
2: appreciate. Totally that. agree.
0: Thank you. Of course. Thank um, you. Hopefully, someday someone will be saying, "You, you remind me of Corey Jacoma." That'll be cool. Aw. <laughs> one day, I'm sure. Yeah.
3: What are your favorite moments on stage uh, between freaking and Bob?
0: I mean, the, uh, duh, the handshake scene. Like, are you kidding me? That that moment, it it's it's the it's such a great moment because it really establishes their their friendship. Um, but my favorite moment is the coffee scene, the coffee shop scene. And that was always the the most challenging scene, um, and it was always the most important scene to me, um, because it it's a moment where you can let the audience forget about Bob, or because you know then after that moment, Frankie Frankie takes the steering wheel to the end of the show really. And Bob isn't in it until the record scenes, when he's yelling at the record producers and everything. But that sequence is so quick that it's it. Even though it's like a five minute sequence, and then you know, like maybe five minutes of can't take. You know, even though it's a nice sequence, it's so quick you don't really have time to be like, oh, Bob's there. Um, So the coffee shop scene is sort of your way to say to. Weave Bob into the rest of the show, even the moments he's not on stage. You know what I mean? There's like a a chef and a waitress, like folding napkins and stuff. And some people have done it where, like, when I when I'm sitting there and and Frankie sits down, they're sitting there and folding napkins and like they'll look up and be like, and then they go back to folding napkins, just like a little a little like yeah. Some I, pe-
1: love that.
0: I love that too. yeah so, some people do that where it's like is that the fucking is that bob audio and frankie valley right there holy shit all right back to folding napkins
3: frankie asks a very important question the the most important one of all why does everybody leave and bob replies with one of like the most iconic lines in the show saying like frankie this is your time um now bob is not dismissing the question Um, But on first watch, it could maybe seem that way. Um, But it's because he knows how to get through to Frankie to get him out of the rut. So as an actor, how do you utilize that moment to create one of the most iconic parts of the show, even though it is so quick?
0: In a way, I think it is him dismissing Frankie because he says, why does everybody leave? And I think by him saying, this is your time, it's him saying... I'm not fucking leaving you, dude. This isn't me leaving you. Sh- shut up. Do this. This is this is right. This is the right thing. You you know it. I know it. Everybody else is leaving. The waiter you. the waiter knows it. Yeah. The way wait- <laughs> like exactly. Everybody knows it. I'm not leaving you. I never said I was leaving you. I'm not going to be in the band, but I'm not leaving you, dude. How do you do that? It's a gift.
1: Hey. hey, that's the one.
0: <laughs> that was another that was another line that they they made. Sh- well, they, I've seen a lot of Bobs, but they were they got on me about leaning into that line instead of making it like very much like it's a gift, like haha, joke, joke, joke. It's very much <laughs> Bob being like, yeah, fuck you. All right, come on.
3: What are your thoughts on Nick and Bob's relationship?
0: It's weird. It's weird, isn't it? you know like it, it nick was very much like a like a big brother that was like never around but but always around you know like you know where like once in a while your your big brother will come up to you and like give you a tip on like talking to a girl or something and and suddenly you're like oh shit like my my big brother's giving me advice okay all right cool like i guess we're like close like that cool and then like he goes away and you're like what okay i guess we're not super close and then like you know you're like you get a flat tire and he like teaches you how to like you know take the spare and put it back on and all that stuff and you're like oh shit all right this this is like another notch on the brother belt and like i think that's sort of the relationship that he and nick have you know and you see that with the with the car you know this the chevy scene and mark edwards was he was
2: so good you guys oh, yeah. had such great chemistry yeah he was uh, my favorite Nick.
0: He he's a great Nick. I I'll say I've never seen anyone act Nick the way that Mark Edwards does. I think that a lot of a lot of Nicks go into like a caricature, um, because you know, so, someone along the way created this character of Nick, and I, I'm sure you guys know 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 what I'm talking about, but like, but. You know, Mark sort of found this beautiful hybrid of this weird, wacky character that has these funny lines, you know, where, where are the million guys? Where, where are, are they? they? Yeah. Where the are million they? guys, where yeah. are they? Yeah. Like, like there, there's that, but then there's also the uncle Nick monologue that he, I've and I'll never forget there was one sh- – when, when I broke my elbows actually, <laughs> um, which I was telling you guys that story before. Um, when I broke my elbows, I – I like I said, I was on my way home to cook food, went to the hospital. I was there for like three hours and called my stage manager. I was like, I'm not going to be in the show tonight or for the next few weeks. <laughs> and, uh, and then I went to the theater to like see everybody in my double arm slings and i was like can i watch the show and they were like of course you want to watch the show on your night off and i was like yeah i like and that i oh that makes me really emotional um i love that show so much but uh yeah i wanted to be there like i i just wanted to see it and see the people that i get to work with got to work with every night um it was really really cool to see how talented that room was and to take a step back and realize that I was a part of that was really, really special. Um, That's beautiful. And, uh, sorry. Oh, Mark Edwards. <laughs> sorry. I got distracted for a second. And Mark Edwards, uh, that monologue, I remember seeing seeing it from the audience for the first time. And I was like, that – I get it. I get it now. I get it.
3: Davina and I's um, thoughts on Nick have definitely evolved since we started the podcast. Since
0: we started this. We
3: have a soft spot for him, of course,
2: yeah.
1: but
3: really for Nick and Bob, and the more I've been reading, and thank God I have more literature on how the show was like conceived and who helped mm-hmm. write and created the voices for each character version. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob Gaudio helped find Nick's voice. Um, like He helped Marshall and Rick find it. We used to argue, I don't know if we still do now, that Nick is arguably the most developed character of them all, even though we know the least know about him.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So much of him is in his silence and the way he reacts to people. You you get this guy because, yeah, silence is golden. And, and every time Tommy says some stupid shit, you see him rolling his eyes. So suddenly you're like, Okay, that's how he feels about Tommy. He's always listening to Frankie because he knows Frankie is lieutenant. He's he's the first in command. And then Bob comes in and, and he's the one who's, you know, like biting back at Tommy when Tommy's like, you know, he blew it. He's not fucking here for the recording session. And Nick is like, fuck you, dude. Come on. And he's just drinking. He's like, I'm over this shit. Another thing I loved about Mark is the way that he took his sh- he takes his shots. Have you noticed that? I don't remember exactly what he did, but I do remember it was significant. It's so specific. He has them in line, and it's very much. It goes to Bob's monologue where he's like, Nick's an interesting case." You know, he he has to iron his suits twice, and all this, uh, maybe all that time in in uh, in prison laundry. Um, but you know that he's he's got like three shot glasses. He takes the middle shot and he like holds it, stares at it for a second, shoots it. Takes takes one, moves it to the center, puts that face down. Takes a second, sits there for a sec. Takes the next one, moves the next shot into the center, puts it down. So like he always has his target in the middle. Like the shot he's about to take is always in the middle. So he shoots it, moves one over and he like... He's like playing like a uh, shuffle cup with, with the shot glasses. It's, it's really, really cool.
3: It's fall, act two. Uh-huh. We. Mm-hmm.
0: Nick Massey. Mazz-
3: Nick Mazz- we love There's a the lot fall of, costumes. Um.
2: I've been pretty quiet up until now. <laughs> oh, that monologue, it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. A lot of things getting left out, yeah. uh,
3: including, the lim- including the restrictions on new world stages and things that had to yeah. get fitted. New Damn suges.
0: suits! I those were my favorite suits in the whole fucking show. Like fall, like when I got fitted for for my fall tweed suit, I've <laughs> uh, never felt and sexier. the green shirt, bro. Yeah, like I was like, oh, this is it. I was like, money. I, I asked to buy it. Like when we <laughs> when we wrapped at the end of the tour in North Carolina, I literally was like, how much do I have to pay for this suit? Tell me. I will pay it. And they were like, it's not for sale. And I was like, how much do I have to pay to buy it? And they were like, Corey, it is not for sale. I was like, okay, we'll try this again. How much (laughs) do I have to pay? Um, I love that suit. And, but you know, on, on tour and on Broadway there. So for me, at least I don't, I don't remember the tracking of, of Tommy and Nick, but I, would imagine it was similar and Frankie as well, but I changed suits three times I had the the uh, the, the tweed um, like multicolored suit for fall, you know, with with the the autumnal colors, and then winter happens, and I changed into like a gray a gray palette, you know. That's another thing that. I, I don't think a lot of people realize is the color palettes that change throughout the show. Jess Goldstein, Fuck it, it is genius, remarkable. As simple as the telephone during uh,
1: when Rainbows fell. Oh, um, back the backup
0: sessions. The backup sessions. <laughs> Jesus, thank you. Um, the the <laughs> telephone that was on key. That's good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, do you have perfect pitch? I do. You son of a bitch. <laughs> he oh does. My God. He doesn't
3: take it for granted. wow
0: good for you thank you and so the the (laughs) the telephone is yellow and then in winter the telephone is black and like the the suits and you know little tiny things that you wouldn't even notice but they went through the painstaking effort to make it a multi-dimensional show um so so in winter i had a black suit i had a black tie on and like a striped shirt and then yep. after let's hang on oh so oh
2: so after bye bye baby after all that after no wait let's no, hang on no. is after can't take
3: no it's after. no
0: no, no let's, that that's that's. No, let us hang on. I don't know what I'm <laughs> talking about. <laughs> clearly, oh, shit. clearly, oh, I don't know. Shit, I think I got you, David. Ooh, baby. <laughs> I think you did. So I think so you did. so it's sit down scene. Then it goes into stay, stay, and then Nick leaves the group, and then they finish stay, they finish and then stay. it goes into let's hang on, let's hang on, and then they go stay. Hey, go down exactly, and then after the gun they they slide. And Bob goes into the recording booth with crew. With Frank. Right, with crew, right. Yeah. And Frankie starts winter. And yeah. so, mm-hmm. so Bob takes off, so so I was wearing my gray suit after, so I changed into my gray suit for Beggin, and then, which also, the fact that they're singing Beggin to Jip DiCarlo right when they're about to ask him for money. Mm-hmm.
1: Right?
0: Um, Brilliant. So tell me it's not a fucking musical. And um, they, they pull out all the stops. <laughs> I mean Frankie's
2: doing those splits. It's splits, the it's dude. it's the coolest. It's the coolest It's the
0: most badass number. The ever. harmonies
2: are so tight. They're really trying to put on the best performance. And yep. you think they just they should have just gotten Frankie to sing my mother's eyes again. Yeah. And also <laughs> also they
0: know like everyone except for Bob obviously has weight in going back to the old neighborhood. So they're going back to the old neighborhood to sing this shit. And so so, but I finished, Stay, hey, bang, bang. and so, so then I would take my my tie off, and it it shows Bob sort of stripping, stripping the layers of the performance, being like, "All right, now I'm gonna start getting. I'm, I don't want to do this anymore, Frankie." All right, and he takes, and so I take the tie off and I, I throw it off stage, and then I go into the booth. And it's such a simple thing. It goes from this, Mm -hmm. from, like, buttoned-up Bob to, like, a little bit more relaxed Bob. Literally, like, this. Wow. Um, Since you can't see this, everyone, I'm buttoning up the top button on my shirt, and then I pop a button. (laughs) And so, uh, so... So, the first one is Trace Weston, and now the second one. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And so, uh, but, you know, like, it, it was simple things like that, but that suit, and then... After the record scene and after Can't Take, Bob leaves, and the next time you see him, he's in the black and gray. Yeah, He's in the, the full black suit, and it's much more modern, um, and it's them more put together. It's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and everything. Um, but yeah, so I had three suits, whereas at New World Stages I had one suit. I just had the black black suit, which it's a very nice suit, but very fuck, nice suit. I love those other suits.
2: But I'm sure they had to – I remember – Aaron posted a picture on his Instagram where, where when they got new suits because they were using those black suits so much more mm-hmm. because they didn't have all the other ones.
0: Exactly. And those black suits were – the material was very thin, so, like, the holes that would pop up were it left yeah. and right. You know, like um, reading material. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, like – and and also you know at new world stages the the backstage space is so much smaller than tour than broadway and then on top of all of that um they the crew is a small it's a smaller crew and so the the crew would have a lot more costumes that they had to tend to and take care of if those suits were still in there
3: (laughs) right of course
2: and now they keep everything in a in a secret warehouse in Sea Caucus with the cast of Newsies huddled C-caucus. over a junk, <laughs> junkyard fire.
1: What? <coughs>
2: That's a oh it. hello reference. Oh, gotcha. Yes.
3: Always oh, back to, back to that.
2: <laughs> so I think this is a yeah. great time to take a break. So take a break. I am on my way. <laughs> I am on my Roll way. My way um. And we're back. <laughs> we're back. Thank you, back. Hey. Um, thank you, back. We're in the Zoom studio.
3: How douchey? How?
2: I'm basically Ch- Trace Weston. You're Trace Weston. <laughs> Bless, Bless you. I oh, Thank you.
3: How Trace Weston of you? How in the trace Zoom Westin. studio? I'm
2: basically a douchebag. I'm basically gonna be starring in Power Book Three. Douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, douchebag. <laughs> douche um, and return the, the return of the douchebag. Douche. The of the I'm gonna be the the other brother that no one talks about. <laughs> um, and we revenge got, of the douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> douche. Corey Jacoma. We got Corey Jacoma. What up, y'all? Um, what up, y'all? Um, he's resident Bob Gaudio. Amazing, amazing. We love him. We love him. We
0: love him. We love him. Um, I love you guys. Oh, thanks! Oh, you, you guys are the only podcast that I want to be talking to at twelve forty in the morning. Woo! Amen. <laughs> Amen. Honor. We appreciate that. <laughs> so,
2: how have you been doing during the pandemic, um, Jesse mm-hmm. girl? Your you little Jessie doggy, girl.
3: doggy,
1: doggy. What have you been doing? You
3: know, I'm, I i what said that on the snapchat i was like, like i don't know like my voice just went up and i was like there's a doggy in my bed and then like...
2: i'm a fucking obsessed <laughs> I, love I will that. quote it to eternity <laughs> i love that
3: there's a doggy in my bed <laughs>
2: yeah, she sang it and she ended on an a-flat actually Dude. Uh, oh <laughs> no. stop.
0: fuck you we get it you have perfect pitch cool how great for you that must be so cool
3: Yes, yeah.
0: the, the, back to you and your family, Corey. You go um, for it. No, uh, you know, quarantine, I'm doing as well as anybody. Quarantine?
3: Quarantine?
0: I quarantine, think quarantine? quarantine? Quarantine. Quarantine. Um No, you know, I'm doing as well as anybody can right now. I'm trying to figure it out. It's it's weird. I'm, um, I heard some, someone a couple of days ago said, I'm the new okay. And I, I really like that. Where it's like, I, I'm the new okay, which probably you know maybe a year ago was probably like really shitty the equivalent of like i'm doing sh- awfully but right now <laughs> i feel like you know it's almost like uh uh the joy joy has inflated you know like money is you know money inflates you know it's inflation it's like there's joy inflation right now so that's the currency you know, right now yeah the the currency right now isn't worth as much so i'm the new okay um, I'm, I I'm love R- that so yeah. much. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely. I've, I've definitely battled with you know some bouts of depression and all that sort of stuff. As, as I'm sure everyone has. Um, but I will say that having my family, having Jesse, has been the biggest blessing. And having my friends, you know, being surrounded by, by all, of, you know, all of the love that I can possibly ask for has been incredible. One of your best friends um, just got married, David. That, that he did. That he did, and Zoom weddings are are. It was a beautiful wedding, but Zoom weddings, I just can't get used to them. I can't get used to them, and I hope I don't have to get used to them. Um, well, congrats. It out. Yeah. Well, yeah, congrats to David,
2: um, and Ariel. His beautiful. He wife. was on. He was on five. The cruise five point
0: Yeah, he was. It stopped. He was. he was. He was swinging right, and he was. covering was He was. Bob. He was co- no, he was covering Nick. Oh. Crew. Nick, Crew, um, Norm, and
2: Jip. There's a picture of him in the red suit, and he looks Mm -hmm. fabulous.
0: Fabulous. Fabulous. Yeah, that was was a cool moment, because the funny thing was, he was in Footloose with me. He was Willard to... uh, to my Chuck and we like, that's where we became best friends. And so he was there, he was running lines with me in my dressing room as I was, uh, as I was getting ready to drive to New York city for the audition and everything. Um, (laughs) all right. So I'm at, uh, I'm at the, the, wow can't speak it's two o'clock in the morning fuck me um so i'm at the fulton theater i'm doing footloose i had just graduated college like uh, a month ago and i'm doing footloose at the fulton theater and i get an audition for jersey boys my first time ever going in and i'd been wanting to go in for years um and so i i suddenly get this audition i'm stoked it's for uh, the for it's for Bob, and so I'm going over all this material and everything, and I I'm in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which is about a I believe it was like a two-hour train ride into the city, and so I got an Amtrak into the city, and uh, I have one audition. It goes well, or no, it doesn't go well. It doesn't go well at all. I do, I do cry for me, and I act cry for me, and uh, and she's literally like, okay, can you do that again and just sing it, like you know the show, right? And I was like, yeah, and she was like, so he's like singing the song, you don't have to like act the song. She was like, just like sing it like you're at a piano, and I was like, okay, yeah, yeah okay. And so then I sing it again, and she's like, great. And then I do oh what a night, and then I do the scenes, and I walk out of there being like, no, that's not gonna happen. And then I go back to Lancaster. And then I find out I have a call back. So then like a week later, I have to go back. And I take the train in. And on my way into the city, I drop my phone into the toilet on the Amtrak. And now if you've been on the Amtrak, it's not a toilet. It's like a metal hole <laughs> that leads to like a cesspool, basically. And... So I drop my phone into the hole of the Amtrak and I'm going to New York City to my Jersey Boys callback. Don't know what the room number is. I know that it's at Pearl Studios and I know I have to be there at like two o'clock. And so I'm rushing. I'm running all over like trying to make sure that I get to the right room on time and all that. I get there. I audition and... This time I was called in for the Bob understudy for Hank Majewski. And so I brought my guitar because they saw that I was a guitarist and Hank has to play in the show. And so I bring my guitar and this was for the creative team. Well, not the full creative team. This was for Richard Hester and Ron Melrose. And I bring my guitar in and I sang Overkill by Men at Work. And I remember Ron Melrose going, cool. And I was like... It, it was it seemed like such a, a, a genuine like response to the song like I've never been in audition and had someone be like cool it, it seemed like it was just like we were boys <laughs> and and then he then he had me do a range test where he just had me he had me go like cry for me cry for me, cry for me and just like go up and go just and it's because the cry And so he just had me go up the scale with that interval. And so I was like, all right, all right, all right. And then it all came out. And so then I I was like, I think I might get a call back after that. And so then I go back to Lancaster and I find out that I have another call back. And this was a dance call. And I am not a dancer. Go... Uh, and I had a break after I finished Footloose. I had like a week break, and then I was going to Maine to do Mama Mia, and so I uh, I go into the city. I do the dance call, and I remember I was fucking up because it, it it was to Who Loves You, and so it um it's the like right before the ah, and so it's. Right foot back, right foot back, uh, left foot forward. It's like, it's literally just like walking right, left, right, left, right, left. But I kept confusing it and I kept on landing on the wrong foot, but I would always like fix it right away and get back into the snaps. And Danny Austin, the, the associate choreographer, was on me about it. And I, like I said, I'm not a great dancer, but I have this thing that I call white boy swag. And in the room, I like could feel that like it was just in my body out of everyone but like I could not get that one step and so then I'm working on it working on it over and over again but I keep messing it up when we're in on in the center of the room and so then finally he's like all right everybody's done and I'm one of the last ones out of the room and I was I was wearing a blue collared shirt and I remember Danny going blue shirt and I turn around and he goes show me the step And I do it correctly and he was like good go and then I left and then I so then I went back or then I went to Maine and I find out that I have uh, a a work session with the creative team and then a final call back the next day and I'm in Maine we just started rehearsal for Mamma Mia and so I rented a car to drive to the city and I I rent the car, drive to the city and I have the work session with Richard Hester and Mary Sugarman and, uh, Jonathan Smith, uh, well we call him Smitty and we work on the music, we work on the scenes and everything. And then I sleep and the next morning I wake up way too early. Don't warm up properly. Uh, I, I It takes me hours to warm up properly. And I had my final call back at noon for Des McEnough, for Sergio, for everybody. And so I, I get there and I'm like one of the first to go. I'm like probably like third to go. Austin Colby was there. Um, Andrew Russell was there. Um, a couple guys who had done the show before who had played Bob on tour were there. And... I go in, and I remember doing Cry For Me, and sounding fine, doing Oh What A Night, and sounding like shit, and being like, fuck. And I could tell that Dez was disappointed, and I was like, all right, all right, let's do the scenes, and I do the scenes, and I smashed it, and I could tell that Dez was like, all right, homeboy can act, but he can't sing it, and... But I could also tell that Smitty behind the piano was like, he sounded good yesterday in the work session, I swear. like, It was almost like he he was like, dude, this is your guy. I know that he didn't sound good just now, but I promise you he can sing it. So I go to leave. I go to pack my bags, dejected. And then he pops his head out and he's like, hey, Corey, can you stay? And I was like, yeah. And I'm like, dope. That's a good thing. And so then I wait probably an hour. All the guys go. And I hear them all crushing it. And then and I'm like, all right, what's going on? And then uh Des leaves, Sergio leaves, Richard leaves, and Smitty's like, all right, Corey, can you come back in? It's just him and Mary Sugarman. She's breaking down the table, breaking down the chairs, and I'm like, What the fuck? And Smitty's like, Can you sing uh Oh What a Night for me? And I was like, Yeah. I guess just thinking that he wants to hear me like to check his ears, to be like, was I hearing things yesterday? And like, you actually sounded like shit. And so I sang through it and he was like, great, thanks. And I was like, okay. And I leave just thinking that he was just like, you know, like I wasted his time. He wasted my time just being like, all right, he just wanted to check if he was wrong and he was wrong. (laughs) And so then I get to my car that I rented. I have two parking tickets and I get in the car, and Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons "Dawn" is playing, and and instead of taking it as a sign, I took it as like this is God rubbing it in my fucking face. Thanks a lot. And then on top of that, at the time, my girlfriend Bethany, we were broken up at at this point, and she hated me because I had fucked up real bad, and and so. I was on my way and she was in Mama Mia with me. And so I was on my way to Mama Mia to be with my ex-girlfriend at the time who hated me after I fucked up an audition for my dream show. Got two parking tickets, lost my cell phone in the toilet. And then the next morning, the next morning I wake up and my agent's like, hey, you got it. And I was like, what? I got it, and she's like, she was like, "You're gonna be playing Bob on the national tour," and I was like, "The understudy," and they were like, "No, Bob," and I was like, <laughs> "Shit everywhere." The way I look at it is, slingshots have to get pulled back to launch forward, and when 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 it's happening that quick, it's just the universe being like, "We just got to give you a lot of shit real quick because you're about to get it really good." <laughs> but yeah, he he. I'm super happy for him but you know those moments and seeing people finding their joy has has given me a little bit more joy and given me a little bit of hope and you know it's like Jesse I mean everyone who doesn't have a dog I recommend getting a dog if you can give them a good life because they bring so much joy I mean it's all the shit that you know about a dog but also like right now especially like the world is practically crumbling beneath our feet And yet I wake up every morning and Jessie is literally sitting on the bed just waiting for me to wake up. And as soon as I'm up, nothing fucking matters to her. Like she's just stoked. And it sounds so cheesy and so dumb, but like I want I want that. I want that. Like that joy, that that yeah, that innocence and that like that genuine excitement about life, about everything, every single aspect of it, you know, like, even when she, like, if she pees in the fucking house, and I have to discipline her, and then, like, two seconds later, she's back to being like, dad, let's go outside, dad, dad, let's go, like, she's just, like, always stoked, you know, you pull out a toy, and it's, like, the first time she's ever seen a fucking toy, and it's like, I want, I want to live like that, I I want to live like a dog. Your Instagram Um,
2: stories... When you oh my you, you type like you type, yeah. I, I try Gobarding.
0: to good morning, like I try to give her a, a voice, uh, and I have fun with that. It We're reads like, so well. It's good night, Abra
3: Could you tell our listeners what kind of dog you
0: have? She's a golden okay. doodle, and she's Aww. the best. No, I don't have an Instagram for her because <laughs> I and don't believe in dog Instagram. Like, <laughs> if she can't make it herself, she's not going to get a fucking Instagram. Your dog is cute, but that. also I don't want to follow your fucking dog on Instagram. Right. <laughs> um, Thank you for that. <laughs> telling it like I'm sorry. it is. I'm yeah. sorry. If either of you guys have a dog Instagram, no. good no, for you. No. If any of you listening have one, good for you. I will not follow you. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, like, she, she's the best. Because and, and, you know what? The, the more that we talk, you guys reference the movie, the more I realize the only time I watched the movie was on tour. And I watched it with my roommate at the time, Andrew Russell, who was Hank Majewski. And we were both underwhelmed. And I don't think I yeah. got through it.
3: Well, it, it makes sense though because you were in it already and yeah. it it really does. We were watch. I watch it from a pure like just Clint Eastwood, just director perspective and and just what they added and what they took away. Now, I right. only saw the show twice so I never realized that they cut Frankie's monologues at the mm-hmm. end. It wasn't until I saw it again and I'm like, this is the best fucking part of the show. Why isn't this in the movie? All of
2: Winter
0: yep. is just gone. Yep,
3: It's gone. Totally gone. Which so, is yeah, a mistake. They
0: I say will say I love, I remember and I love like when they give Bob his goatee. Yeah. Because <laughs> like really that great. was such a look for Bob. It was. And the hair, the long hair. And apparently apparently at La Jolla, they gave them like old prosthetics like for, uh, for Ooh, Ragdoll. I and didn't Twondo. know that. I, I, I've i heard this. Maybe ask Hester. We'll ask um, Hester, yeah. Yeah, because maybe he can debunk those rumors. But I feel like they may have tried, like, aged makeup for for Twando. Now, being two years off the fast-moving train, maybe I'll appreciate the slowness of it. But um, sh- shall we continue? Yes. <laughs> yeah, let's. We said one fifteen and it's one fifteen. I know. We haven't even started. So, so we're gonna we're gonna get right into it over here, ladies
2: and gentlemen. Let's we're go. gonna play pum pum, pum 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 Pum. Finish that line.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, you've
2: been very good during this episode at getting your quotes in, dude. Uh.
0: Okay. okay, okay. Give
2: yourself more credit, brother. And so, what we're going to do is, we're going to give you part of a line, and you're Mm going to finish it. Uh, So, I'm going to do one, G's going to do one, and you are more than free. All right. Yeah, I
0: would love to. Let me pull up that script. Um, And pick the hardest one you can, by the way. No
3: script until it's your turn. Put it away.
0: Oh, well. (laughs) hmm, Hold on, hold on. Let me (laughs) me pull it up
2: at least. Okay. Yeah, get it ready to go. Okay. Okay, So, I'm going to go first. Mm-hmm. Right, so, I shared a bus with Chuck Berry, Sam Cooke, the Everly Brothers, Jackie Wilson, but I never heard a voice like Frankie Valli's. I
0: shared a bus with Chuck Berry, the Everly Brothers, Jackie Wilson, but I never heard a voice like Frankie Valli's. One... uh Oh no! I'll give you the
2: first part of the. I'll give you the yeah. first part of the line. Please after, do after eight bars.
0: After eight bars, I knew I needed to write for that. I needed to. I knew I needed to write for that voice. Basically, yeah. I knew. I, I know knew I, I needed, need to write for this voice after eight bars. I know I need, bars, to, write I know I need to write
2: for this voice. After, Which is after so after interesting, bars, right? So I he's talking to, to the this audience. Voice. This yeah. is one of the meta things. He's talking uh-huh. to the audience, but it's like he's telling us why. So like he didn't use it because you would think you immediately went to the
0: past tense right yeah to that voice but, but i know i need to write for this voice it's him being like welcome to this world this guy i need to write for him fucking love all him. right so i failed that first one no no <laughs> all right now hit geo with one
3: all right here we go so i'm gonna give you a oh you're giving
0: me giving me another one or are you giving david you okay
3: <laughs> we're on you i'm so
0: sorry damn <laughs> kicking me while i'm down all right let's do it all
3: right here you go frankie all right so 14 15 you gotta understand we didn't have playgrounds or what do you call these after school programs what we had was hanging out on the corner
0: b and e's yeah uh, 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 what we had was hanging out on the corner b and e's oh fuck me what we had was hanging out on the corners, b and e's <laughs> <laughs> Say it a million times, Corey. You're not gonna get it. <laughs> you
3: got okay. Numbers. That's
0: uh, a- uh, hanging out on corners, being e's, picking up numbers.
3: Yep. Yes. Picking up numbers. And
0: give me one what more. Do- one more.
3: Okay. The second we saw you on Zoom today, I was like, "Oh, you're look like you're gonna play poker."
0: Picking up numbers.
3: Poker is a what?
1: It's cards. A... Something
0: yeah. about cards. Uh huh. This was a tough one. Picking up numbers. No.
3: And driving guys to card games.
0: Driving guys to card games. Yeah. That was a tough oh. one. That was, that was a tough man. one. Man. Alright, let me. Alright, fuck you guys. <laughs> let me find one. Alright, this is for David. Ready? Bobby, listen. The three lovers, they're looking for a fourth. Who? The three lovers. They they just got rid of this Yutz who was
2: doing monkey songs or some shit. And they're dying to meet you. Fuck you.
0: <laughs> All right, okay. All right, Gia. Let's see your, your chops. I'm nervous. What do you got, a hard-on for this kid? He can't drink. He can't vote. He's probably never been laid. What good is he?
3: Okay. Was it like what you think he's green? So put, put him on your drill the wing like you did with me. Something like,
0: Fuck you yeah. both. <laughs> Alright, hit me. Hit me. Come okay, on. you ready? Okay. Yep.
2: <sighs> In my neighborhood, there's three things you don't do. You don't lie to your mother, you don't tell the truth to your wife. And the third thing
0: Everybody knows that.
3: Perfect. Yep. Done. That was the one I was gonna do! Oh, wow!
0: No, that's so funny. We,
3: that's we, so funny! we we didn't even talk about that. That's didn't so even funny. Bat that's an one. Eye. Yeah. Didn't even Ben and right. I. Alright, I got one. that,
0: one. You got All right, that Gia. one. Gia hit me with another one.
3: Okay, this is you. Okay. Oh,
0: fuck. <laughs> <will be> embarrassing.
3: <laughs> okay, very specific ones. So, the right. Brill Building. 1619
0: 16, 1619 Broadway. Broadway. Go! The Brill Building, 1619 Broadway, center of the music world. Um
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow, I was so close. You center got a of song? The music
0: world. You got a song and a dream. You go fuck yourself. <laughs> what a, you, you got a song?
3: You go to the what floor?
0: You got a song. You go to the 12th, 10th floor. Eighth floor. Eighth floor. You go to the eighth floor. You got a song, you go to the 8th floor.
3: Close. And you got... Oh. How many bucks? Oh, my God. You got it. You had it.
0: Oh, my God. No, I don't. <laughs> you go to the 8th floor, you got...
3: And for 10 bucks, you get a quick arrangement. And for 10 bucks,
0: you get a quick arrangement. Grab some guys from the lobby.
3: <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Wait. You know what? Uh, even since I'm able to do this, I'll give you the synopsis. Yeah. Grab a couple of guys from the lobby. And then before you know it, you got a demo. There you go. <laughs> exactly. That's Yeah. And then the, the <laughs> next thing is getting someone to listen. Is it right? Oh yeah, yeah. That's what it was. All right. David. Sit down scene. As of noon today, including the vig, 162 large.
2: It's not, it's something like how did that happen? Um, does it start with Tommy? Mm-mm. With, it doesn't start with the word. But it is Jip,
0: right? Yep. Tommy. He says Tommy in his sentence.
2: Oh, so he does say Tommy in his sentence. But, but it's, it's not, not the first the start. word.
0: It's I'm, much simpler. I'm trying to picture
2: Christopher Walken.
3: <laughs> it's not what Christopher Walken says. Oh,
0: probably he says something different? Yes. Christopher Walken is probably like, wow, Tommy. <laughs> no. What happened? Wow. Wow! <laughs> Tommy. Tommy, what is it? I'm stumped. What were you thinking, Tommy?
3: Wow! Well, that was quite the game. We all did pretty poorly.
0: Yeah, pretty poorly. We, we were all
2: one for one, one for three,
0: one for three. <laughs> one for three. Rough.
2: So <laughs> as we come into our final segment, um, Corey. I will say this again and again. You are a beautiful, amazing, wonderful soul oh, with man. so Thank much you. empathy for the world around you and the people around you. And as an artist, you use your voice to bring important social issues to light, you know, yeah. es- you know, especially... With everything that's been happening this year, you you have been such uh, a, a loud and shining voice, and speaking up for people who can't necessarily speak for themselves, and giving the people the space to do what they have to do. Mm-hmm. And um, we
0: want to really thank you for all of oh, your man. your light, man. Thank you. I mean, it's it's important as an artist, you know, we've got a lot of power, you know, like we were talking about before, like we, we develop ourselves a lot of the time based on what we see in entertainment. So that makes you realize as an artist, we have a tremendous responsibility to lead people, you know, to the, to the watering hole, to the, to the goodness and to, 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 the change that we want to see in the world and also you know we have a a tremendous responsibility as artists once we build a platform for ourselves regardless of how tall the platform is and how many people it's reaching we have a platform and we need to recognize that and we need to recognize that you know and it goes both ways you know you there there is a a type of advocacy that you know people want to listen to but then there's also a type of advocacy that can scare people away and I always try to you know approach it from a place of you really ought to educate yourself on this you know because I'm educating myself on this and and you know I I recommend it you know because I can't force information down people's throats I can't force people to have certain opinions but I can lead them to the watering hole like I said before you know it's like I can say this is really important you really ought to check this out and i hope you will if you respect me and you you're whether you're a fan of me or your friend or a family member you know if if you respect me hopefully you'll want to share this opinion and you'll or or at the very least you'll want to educate yourself on this opinion that i have or something that i think is important i mean some uh, some of my closest friends have differing opinions than me and I don't believe in the, you know, cutting them out of your life. I think that we can all learn from each other because if you surround yourself with people who think exactly the way that you do, you're not going to grow as a human. You know, you, you need to have people with different opinions in your life because it's just going to show you the way that other people live, um, you know. And, and also, if you're gonna just cut them out of your life, then you're not gonna make a difference. You need those are the people that you need to have the conversations with the most. You know, those are the people that, and those are the people you need to have the conversations with, not not the arguments, not the the cutting them out, not the canceling. You know, you need to, I, it, like I said before, I firmly believe in can in council culture rather than cancel culture. It's like we need to sit and have these tough conversations and we need to recognize the humanity in people rather than just recognizing the flaws, you know? And I think that flaws and humanity are, are, you know, synonymous. I don't think that they're mutually exclusive. I think that they go hand in hand because humanity is flawed and we're seeing a lot of those flaws right now. And the very least we can do is express empathy right now. And, uh, you know, try to better ourselves and better the people that we surround ourselves by and that that's really the the least we can do right now i
3: loved what you said about it's council culture not cancel culture and yeah. i think we've all been there at, yeah. at some point point. and i'm i'm with you i never want to cut somebody out of my life because we think differently that's mm-hmm. the worst thing anyone could possibly do and i think i'm sure all of us have had especially during quarantine and everything with black does matter right now yeah i've had really tough conversations with with my family Yeah, you know because I, I i've evolved from how a lot of people in my family think and mm-hmm. you know now i'm getting labeled you know it's like oh well like like of you're course. like this you're like this no 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 i'm just like
0: it's like no don't I'm just generalize like, I'm just, everything it's it's, it's don't like, generalize yeah, exactly it's a specific like nothing drives issue i want everybody to fucking win like why wouldn't you want everybody to win?
3: Right. Especially now.
0: That. Yeah. Every everybody winning doesn't mean you
3: lose. lose. Right.
0: You know I, what?
2: I I say Des Mack enough for president. Des Mack hey. enough for president. And every day is National World Jersey Boys Day. You know
3: what? Hey, that,
0: that We need a t-shirt Des Mack enough, hey, t- Mac Mac enough for president. I love that. A t-shirt idea Des Des enough for president. I love that.
2: So, I think this is a great place to start to wrap up. Um, Corey, would you like to tell the audience anything? You know, like plug anything? Your song. Guys, we got a real top notch (laughs) musician in the house. A top notch musician.
0: Yeah, Yeah, stop talking about yourself, Daddy. Quit that. Quit that with that shit that you showed me before we started the podcast. Come on. Oh man, thank you. Dude,
2: you're such a huge inspiration to me. Like if with everything, but like thank especially man. with the music. It's you, such amazing passion. So, um, guys, check out his music on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you can find music. He has Thanks man. A few amazing songs are out right now. Pretty bird. Yeah, baby. Corey Jacoma. And he's got um Right Love, Wrong Time, Corey yeah, Giacoma. Baby. And he's got He's got some more stuff in the works. You're gonna mm-hmm. love, love, love it. Follow him on Instagram at Coco Giacoco.
0: That's C O C O J E A C O C
2: O. Love it. And
3: You have to check him out as Trace Weston. Come on. It's yeah. a it's check such a perfect. It's- Character name because name. he is such, stars, a exactly. such a douchebag, such
0: a douchebag. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, my character is introduced in episode two, and then I've got a couple, a couple more coming down the pipe.
1: There you the go. Power hey. book two,
3: ghost on stars, stars,
2: nine p.m. Mm. Sundays. Um, check out his videos on YouTube. Uh, check out his uh, uh, hashtag live at fives with Broadway.com. He does one when he was in Jersey Boys. Does one when he was in Beautiful. Check him out everywhere, guys, because he's the real deal. Oh, man. We're and so blessed
0: I, to know him. I've got to say, I'm I'm blessed to know you guys, and thank you so much for having me. I I'm so glad that we got to do this, and uh, thank you for your guys' patience because you know I I I would have loved to have done this a couple months ago, but you know with with the with everything going on, it just didn't feel right, and I'm glad that we waited because now I could. Fully enjoy your guys's company and all of this, and you know th- th- I really appreciate you guys. It worked and out. in
1: it's such
2: always an amazing out. way. It does. And um, this has been Silhouettes JB Podcast. Thank you so much to Anger for hosting us and Thank you. making podcasting so easy for us for us to do this with Corey and with my best friend Gia. Yeah. I love, I love you guys. I love you. Um, check us out on Instagram at, at SilhouettesJBPodcast underscore check us out on Facebook at Podcast, and join our Facebook group Silhouettes mm-hmm. JV Podcast group to the group, the group? Um, we, we want to have so much fun to the group we want to have so much fun with you guys on their discussions games um, whatever. So join the group. And exclusive
3: content. We're going to exclusive gonna content. On so like if you want more, Corey Jacoma's virginity
0: story. <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> keep it. Don't make promises you can't keep, <laughs> Um
2: Listen to us wherever you can find podcasts Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, um, The Sewer, wherever you <laughs> Check them out everywhere, everywhere. y'all. Thank you so much. Um, did I leave anything out? You did not. Then, a salute.
1: Well?
2: A salute?